0: Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby.
1: This is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is my friend from National Bank, Matthew Pickering, who is not only an investor, but has some great opportunities at National Bank for investors. And so we talk about some of the programs and availability of uh, being able to go up to 40 plus doors with National Bank and the new mortgage plus improvements that they have where they would finance your renovations for Burr opportunities and much more in between. So if you haven't looked into National Bank, this could be a great opportunity for you to connect with Matthew Pickering and pick his brain on what can make sense based on your specific strategy, your portfolio and everything in between. So before we do that though, Streetwise Mortgages, Dahlia, what is this week's tip of the week?
2: Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Today, I'd like to share with you a financing strategy that will help you as a multifamily investor or if you are looking to get into multifamily. It is a Great tool if you are going to renovate or you're going to build a multifamily, or if you are looking to transition something from a residential into five or more units. Here is how it works. Essentially, you can obtain a bundle loan. A bundle loan is an interest only loan currently priced at Prime plus two or prime plus three. Prime is currently, as of the date of this recording, 7.2. And abundant loan allows you to do two things. One, to acquire the asset or pay off an existing lien on the asset. And that can go anywhere from 75 to 80% loan to value. And it can go higher if there is a cross collateral. And then you get a second component parallel to that loan to renovate or to build. And that component can go up to a 100% of the renovation or construction costs, including any soft cost and even the cash or keys that you may be using to reposition a building. So you get two loans, both at interest only, with the idea of eventually paying these loans off with CMHC, so what we want to do is we want to look at your plan. Are you planning on buying a building to reposition through cash for keys? Are you planning to build up a multi-unit that is five units or above, or do you currently have a residential site or a commercial site that you are transforming? And then we want to look at how long is it going to take you? Is it going to take you six months, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, or more? And what is the end game? What is your after-reno value or after-construction value? And what is your as-complete income and expense statement? And with these parameters, we can help you structure this bundle law. The beauty about this type of loan is that it allows you to exit with CMHC and pay. The bundle off at low rates today at about four and a half percent, which are much cheaper compared to residential financing. And also, you can qualify under the CMHC multifamily regular program, which can get you up to eighty-five percent of the value at a forty-year amortization, or under the newly introduced MLI Select program, which can get you up to ninety-five percent of the value at a fifty-year amortization. So if you uh, currently have a project that you're transforming from residential to commercial, or you're looking to uh, reposition an existing five units or more, or build a five units or more, this is a great financing option for you to keep more money in your pocket and also to help you exit with CMHC. You can uh, reach out to us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. And we're happy to show you how to use this type of money and how to structure your deal for success.
1: Awesome, Dahlia, thanks so much. And guys, check out our new exclusive membership at Inspire Beach Resorts. We are going to be limiting the membership opportunity if you have a business and you want to provide an opportunity for clients or for your employees to have a great experience. We are offering... Um, for a low monthly cost, nights for free, access to our resorts, and a lot more. So check out InspireBeachResorts.com for more information. On that note, let's bring in Matthew. Matt Pickering, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Good. How's it going today, Sarah? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm I'm excited. You know, I think it's actually... Oh, you know what? We've, I, I had an RBC in the past. A long time ago, we were talking about a program for... Canadians to buy American real estate in Florida but this is probably the first time I have this is definitely the first time I have national bank on and the first time that we're talking about Canadian investments with a a bank directly so I'm excited to dive right into it
0: yeah no yeah thanks for having me. yeah we've been chatting a lot lately so good to put it out there and see what else we can do
1: of course so before we get into you know obviously the national bank programs which I think you have some really cool things Let's talk about you a little bit, you know, how you got started and what your role is and why you chose that path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm a mortgage specialist, so I work at a national bank. So for example, every mortgage I do is going to close a national bank. I've been here for about three and a half to four years now, only doing mortgages. So I've been in the same role for almost four years now. Uh, I've always kind of been in banking. I went to school, I can university of for economics, banking. So I worked at other banks for maybe about 10 years landed myself in national bank with one of my friends brought me over and we had a good opportunity there so we've been really i have been busy a couple of years you I mean i started before covid so the market was normal and then market kind of went nuts and then we're kind of seeing the other side of the market now but still busy so yeah it's been good i've been yeah here for a while me personally i've also bought a real estate investment property so kind of learning this side too so it's kind of cool in my position you got to see you know, different kind of applications, different kind of income levels and what they've done. So it, it really inspires you as you kind of go forward to see if anything's kind of possible.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, what about like how much business do you do with investors versus like regular homeowners as a, you know, know, a split right
2: now?
0: Yeah. I mean, this year, I would say a lot more real estate investors are pausing on buying. There's still some opportunities. So, I mean, like you can say, if you bought a new construction and it's closing this year, you're going to close it. But I'm finding a lot of real estate investors are maybe pausing on purchases for the ones that use their HELOC for a down payment and then take a new mortgage. You know, the rent isn't going to be high enough to clear it. But I would say overall, like right, I mean, right now we're doing a lot of refinances, bringing people over from other banks as we have competitive rates. The amount of real estate investors to, you know, like just customers buying their first property or even their primary, I would say it's pretty close to 50-50 um real, real estate investors are really good you mean like mostly of time they have more than one rentals so you really built a good relationship early you're going to start working on that second file or that third file and i mean with mortgages most of them are maximum five years right so you know right now three years are most popular but they're up for renewal so there's always a new opportunity every couple of years so you want to stay in close to the real estate investors as well as you know different sources and we do a lot of business to business so kind of so in touch with the I would say to answer your question about 50-50, you know, just your normal customer versus a real estate investor.
1: Hmm. I think one of the things I really like about National Bank is your investor friendly. I don't know if it was always like this, but the investor friendly options uh, and how you look at investors versus maybe another big bank that you're like, oh, you know what? They don't have like. Uh, salary income, T four income, we won't look at them. Like you guys actually think outside the box, and I think that's why originally we connected. Because I'm like, oh, okay, well, you're a bank, you're a big bank with good rates, but like you're not in this like small little box that most of us don't fit in today.
0: Yeah, and to me, it really comes down to myself. So it's who's driving the fall, right? Got so it. in this mortgage world, there's a lot of different types of mortgage specialists. So. Me, I'm pretty pot committed, you know, especially as I know there's a lot of potential or even future potential with more files. I really want to push the file as much as possible. So if I know there's an edge and just kind of based on my experience over the last couple of years, I can kind of find where to push hard on the application and where the bank has appetite. So, I mean, the goal is to find something that works for the client as well as the bank and make everyone happy. So, yeah, there's definitely some, you know, as I've, this year's more complicated to say the least. There's not just a regular purchase going on and if there is it's usually a, a fight for the best rate but a lot of files aren't just very clean right now you have to you know with qualifying rates so high you have to make sure you're finding the right areas to make sure it's compliant and make sure that there's this is where we're you know where we see the opportunity and really fight internally here with head office to say hey this file, you know we're looking at the right parts this is a good fall ratios might be a little high but this is how i'm looking at it so it's me selling it to head office most of the time because my goal is to get to know the customer as much as possible. And I put together the application. So I, I know everything. I can build up the applications and show where their strengths are and where, you know where, what we're working on. So that's where I sell it to the bank and really try to get things done. And again, it's finding a win for the bank and the customer.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you know, is there a benefit to working with the bank directly versus a mortgage broker? Because I, I think there's pros and cons to both. But you know, what are the pros and cons maybe to just going directly?
0: Yeah. And so for context, so actually we're actually working at a brokerage. So when I first started the mortgage world, I was uh, working at a brokerage, for brokerage a couple of months mm-hmm. to me. I, I mean, National Bank's a top tier bank, right? So we're going to qualify very similar to the TDs, the RBCs, the BMOs. So, you know, there's, they're going to be very similar qualifications. So a brokerage is good if maybe we're having issues qualifying. Maybe we need to get to that secondary level of, you know, not the major top banks, but there's, you know, maybe a little bit more wiggle room. Why you should deal with National Bank, someone from National Bank directly like myself is I'm going straight to the source. So I know what my rates are every day. If you're going to a brokerage, and even if the brokerage is sending you through National Bank, you might not be getting the same um, latitudes as I have. So I have a little bit more wiggle room on the rates. So if, if you think about it, if you buy a car, right, you go to a car dealership and you kind of have that middleman to work yourself in there he you go directly to the car dealer and kind of get something right after, you know, right when it's made. So it's kind of similar in that sense. A lot of these, some of the customers I like working with or customers I work with don't want to go to the brokers because they don't want that interaction. They just want to go straight to the source, get the best rate and kind of move forward. But I think both are good options, especially in today's world. I mean, everything's constantly changing. So it's good to have a little bit of, you know, maybe multiple options. That way you can leverage them even and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm getting this amount from here at this rate. And you get me a better amount or a better rate? And, you know, it's, it comes down to good old co- competition.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's also about like just knowing like where you can get what. Because even actually I had a conversation this morning uh, with somebody that was on my podcast. And we were talking about credit unions. And every credit union has their own way to analyze and appetite and, and you know, things that they would want to do, not do. You know, for example, like the resort, we financed that. Well, I should say we refinanced that with a, a credit union based on projected income which would have never happened with a big bank they would have wanted to see like a year or two so there are going to be some benefits in each one and sometimes there's benefits in having you know i think going to the bank directly but sometimes there's benefits with working with a broker and like you said i think it's a combination of both but Mm -hmm. knowing when to go to what and i think that's the the key difference because so like for example like rbc they don't work with brokers you know but if you're your broker works with you as a file, they might just say, hey, for this one, maybe go to RBC, maybe you're buying a sixplex and like they can do it residentially. It might work in your favor. So there there are things as an investor that you should still have a good base knowledge on so that you're like, hey, this one, I'm going to I'm gonna position it with the broker because it makes sense. Or this one, like I've built a little bit of a relationship with a local credit union or national bank or however, you know, that looks like. So, so with that said, I think it's important for people to know like what you can do because one of the things I think you do different is like not look at t4 incomes you have a limit to the number of doors that's pretty good so do you want to just maybe talk about that yeah
0: exactly yeah no we have dug in so something that has changed and it's really caught a lot of attention for the real estate investors is the amount of units we can finance. so this was changed uh, i want to say maybe two years now but previously it was maybe 20 doors total but now we've upped it over the last couple of years to say we can finance up to 40 doors so that means if a customer has 40 units in their personal profile, we can find them. So that's a very big jump. A lot of people, you know, think once they hit maybe 16, 20 units they are cut off from the major banks, but we can go up to 40 units, which is pretty good. And keep in mind, you're still gonna have to qualify with all these units, but the way we're gonna look at it, you know, has to make, you know, make sense too, right? So we do consider 50% of the rental income, but that's where we can also make a case saying, you know, when we consider the actual incomes, this is what we're generating per month. And they know that too, right? So going up to 40 units is a big one for us, for some of the, you know, some larger real estate investors. Even we're gonna look at that in their personal names, right? So if there's hold codes, we can always go over different situations or based on what number of hold codes they have, number of units in each hold code. It really depends on what's on the application. So is a hold code on the application or not? So that's where it's always good to kind of talk to someone directly, see what your situation looks like and where are we gonna be including that in the 40 units or not. With us too, is some real estate stuff. So one thing that's big for us too, and not all the major banks will do it, but not necessarily. So if you're putting 20% down of a purchase, or if you're refinancing, not all the mortgage co-borrowers have to be on title. So this is a good opportunity for, let's say you have someone helping co-sign, but not actually going to be, you know, any legal interest. So with real estate investing, one of the big things is, you know, let's say you're flipping the house, there's going to be capital gains or losses, or let's say income, rental income reporting. If you're on the title, technically you're on the hook for reporting some rental income or for some of the net for the no capital gains or capital losses. I mean, accountants kind of do stuff here and there to get around that, but technically that's what you do. So by us not having, you know, you can be a co-borrower, but not on title. That gives some opportunities to real estate investors to say, Hey, let's just get you to help co-sign this, but you're not going to have any issues with it. One of the other big things we do, and it really kind of aligns too, like that situation is often, you know, with being on titles, you know, having either parents or like, you know, someone that can help you get there. Same with down payment. So we're one of the few major lenders who will allow a gift for a down payment for a rental purchase. So that's really big. I mean, a lot of days, a lot of times right now, there's generational wealth. Mom and dad have a lot of money or, you know, whatever the situation is there, and they don't want to just have it all given to their kid, you know, when the day comes. So they can start help gifting down payments so their kids or, you know, whoever in the family mm-hmm. can start building up their own generational wealth. So it really opens up some opportunity there to consider gifts as down payment. And that's all compliant. Like we show a gift letter, we show the parents giving the money. That's, that's not something that we have to hide in the account. So that one's a big one and gets us a lot of attention to uh, help with real estate investors.
1: Yeah. So it doesn't have to invest there for like, you know, a hundred days. Exactly. Or so. <laughs> exactly.
0: They don't, don't have to jump through the hoops to uh, make it work. So we can't to just show it all to get go. Okay.
1: But just to go back to the 40 units, I, I mean, I think that's important because like you technically, I mean, at some point you're going to go into different things. You're going to need different types of, of sources of, you know, financing, whether it's commercial, et cetera. But 40 units is quite a bit if you think about the fact that like that's in your personal name. So then you could have 40 units in hold co one, two, three, four, five, six, Ontario. And you can have another four units or a forty units in five, six, seven, eight, nine, Ontario. Like, is that what you're kind of saying?
0: Yeah. So it'd be more so like if it's a personal file, we're gonna just look at your personal properties. Uh, so there's four units. So once you have the hold co okay. on the properties, we're gonna consider the hold co owners on the application, right? So that's where it kind of gets you know a little complicated to say, okay, how much is each owner of that Hold co? How many properties do they have? So mm-hmm. it would start adding up. Um, but again, it all comes down to what's reported with total goals or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and yeah.
1: Okay. So 40 units, now what if people are self-employed?
0: So self-employed. So yeah, I, uh, those are files I really like working on. So if you're incorporated, that's where I'm finding a lot of success right now. So what we look at is of course, what do you pay yourself personally, right? You're gonna have your own income taxes. You're either gonna pay yourself, you know, a salary or some kind of dividend. So that's great. And in, lo- in reality, today the world, we know everyone's not paying himself that much, right? Why would you pay yourself max dollar if you're going to just get taxed on it? So what we can do on an exceptional basis is go through the company financials. So let's say you own your own company. You're entitled to 100% of the profits. If you're a co-owner, again, 50% of the profits. So we're able to go through your financial statements to say, okay, what do you... What did you have as a net income? So we're going to look at what your gross income is. What, you know, what are your sales? What are all your expenses? And then what is your net income? That net income is what you could have technically paid yourself to zero the company, but you don't for tax reasons. So we'll be able to say, Hey, they pay yourself X amount of personal income, they qualify for this. But if I include their net income and we're going to look at a consistent two year average, right? So if you have net income, one year of 10,000, the next year of 300,000. Okay. What happened? Why is there such a change? It has to make sense. I mean, we did see some stuff with COVID where we were starting to use three-year averages because maybe your business was out of, you know, you weren't working for six months or your shop shut down or whatever you do, there's a reason. So we'd look at a three-year and that was a good way to find or to calculate. But more or less, we can argue to say, hey, we consider the net income, which they could have zeroed out their company. They would now qualify for, you know, why instead of what they're personal at. So that's one like where experience comes in to say, you know, I've looked through a lot of financial statements to see where there's wiggle room for more financing as a personal income. So kind of just being able to better understand their financial side.
1: Mm-hmm yeah, for sure. And so you've got that and then you also have like my- and even
0: to add to that. So like part of my job too, is uh, I like helping clients look in the future, right? So this is where you qualify today. And I know mm-hmm. maybe you have a young business or maybe I know where you want to be in the next two years. I can kind of say, okay, this is, you know, if you're going to start looking at your reporting, maybe me and accountant will look at it differently. Accountants are going to want to write off everything, save you a little bit of money on taxes. But that's also going to eat away at what you qualify for. So we know your goal over the next five years is to build up a profile, a real estate profile. We're going to say, okay, this is kind of what we're going to need to start showing from personal and net income to qualify for what you're looking to, you know, get a mortgage up. So that's where you can kind of plan ahead, reach out ahead to say, hey, this is you know where I want to be and what kind of income levels you have to show over. Also, you know, again, we use it to your average. So, you know, you got to plan ahead for these things as well.
1: hmm For sure. When I first started investing, I was going to T D bank. And I like my the worst part of this whole business is to to me anyways, the worst part is all the paperwork and and obviously that piece. So every time. You know, in the beginning, I used to have to send them all, all of my information. And then it just, the person switched over and yeah. over. Like, well, because I, I mean, obviously you it doesn't look like you're in a branch. Yeah, I work for uh,
0: every day. Yeah. So like, how, I does, go to how, the, how br- does that I also work? I've stopped going into the branches. It's just not as okay. productive. And, but yes, sorry, go ahead. So,
1: so like, because like, every single time, right? And then the people move and then go into a different role. Like, how does that work? With national banking like what your role is like are you still going to be the same person like in a year from now that like we're building the relationship with or is it going to be somebody that's going to be replaced
0: that's my hopes i mean i'm not going anywhere from uh you know national bank perspective or even like if i were to change roles it'd be into a manager level which is not in my career path anytime soon i like being an individual contributor we have a great structure of commission so things have been really good and yeah, I don't see, and part of the, you know, my role is you're building networks of whatever I'm offering. So a lot of things mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pitching is what National Bank offers or, you know, I'm doing stuff on behalf of National Bank. So I really like the brand I built up here. I'm, I'm very much looked after on uh, my side from my manager and, and from the bank side. So I definitely don't see any changes there. I'm, you know, from the branch perspective, a lot of that's changed with COVID. So mm-hmm. back in the day, they would kind of say, Hey, come into the branch once in a while, you want to, you know, you're gonna help branch clients and to be honest, we would get people walking into covid say hey i need to talk to mortgage specialists." Mm-hmm. sometimes you do get some headaches from the branches just because you know if you are a savvy real estate investor you're probably just not walking into branches you're going to call around or talk to your contacts and mm-hmm. once you kind of get into circles you get a little busier that way so i mean it was one of the positive things from covid was everything's gone very virtual right so document sharing we have all secure folders if we need it mm-hmm. um, docusign we use for all the signatures like you were saying too, the paperwork can be the pain. So once you start a relationship with right. something, you yeah, so you have keep, all your documents. You keep
1: right. So that's that. I guess that was my question. the after, The after part of this question is: is we have to send paperwork all again every single time, or just update the paperwork that? You yeah,
0: it's just updating. So let's say, you mean you do a file today, and then six months or maybe early next year, you're going to do another one. I just these are updated
1: financials and.
0: As for my, you know, I get to, I stay in touch with you. So I know what's changed since then, but no, I don't have to Mm -hmm. pre-collect everything again. So it makes it nice and easy that way for sure.
1: So even what's
0: nice with, and I guess this is maybe one of the advantages of working with the bank directly versus brokerage. Brokerages are ultimately a matchmaker, right? They're going to set you up with someone They're Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they got all your documents, they're going to send you to this bank, Mm -hmm. there's your mortgage, you're happy, and then they kind of move on to the next deal. They're there if they need to help you with another purchase, or maybe you want to your mortgage to another bank another day but ultimately once you're at that bank you're responsible to talk to that bank for any updates you want to change your payment account you want to maybe refinance and take an extra small fifty thousand or something small that the branch would do working with someone like myself who's directly at national bank once your mortgage closes at national bank i'm not going anywhere if you want to give me a call to talk about it if you want to talk variable to fix options you want advice on what am i seeing the market Is, is it now the time to lock into variable or sorry, of lock into fix from variable, or you want to make any system changes to the mortgage here, I'm here. So that's kind of the benefit is once you're closed with me, you stay with me. And, you know, like I said, I'm not going anywhere from National Bank anytime soon. So I can kind of help you even once everything's done.
1: So which provinces do you cover?
0: Everywhere. So that's one of the cool things, too. So I'm federally regulated as long as I work for the bank. So National Bank is federally regulated. We can do anywhere in Canada. I think the only word we can do is like none of it or something like that but i mean i haven't even had that request ever so right now i'm closing files all in quebec i have a few on bc on the go so that's kind of a cool thing too it's you know working directly with the bank let's say you have plans to move to alberta or you want to buy investment property out in you know bc or whatever the opportunity comes you can still work with me again everything's virtual so we'll meet each other virtual if you haven't already but i can close your mortgage and really from the qualifications the exact same for us so I've kind of learned some things over the last couple, you know, a little while that some banks will look at your rates differently based on your region. Mm-hmm. For us, you're either inside Quebec or outside of Quebec. So <laughs> your rates are more or less the exact same. And to be honest, they're a little more aggressive outside of Quebec. So that's kind of all we look at. And yeah, no, no issues if there's anywhere else in Canada.
1: Okay. Quebec's always on its own. I am actually, yeah. I'm from <laughs> My, my mom is from Quebec City, so I, I well, there you go. <laughs> so there's always like Quebec is always on the side, but they have their but, own holiday
0: uh, today. I had I, was mostly closed today, so it was a good day for a podcast, to say least. But, exactly. you know, we're still working today, but they have some random holidays, but, you know, mm-hmm. they're good to work
1: with. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. So you've got, you know, I think some opportunities for self-employed corporations up to 40 doors you, you know you don't have to have a t4 income i think you also have a from what you and i have been talking in the past maybe you can cover that a little bit more is the burst strategy opportunities where you're you know buying and renovating and what you can do for that piece of, of the strategy yeah
0: no exactly that's a good strategy so one of the things we can offer is we have renovation programs so right now i mean depending on the real estate investor level there's a lot of people buying single families and converting to duplexes or you know something of that nature where they see an opportunity and there's some there's some good potential with this property based on you know maybe the bones or the location. Even for example, garden suites are really busy right now. So one of the things national bank can finance is garden suites. So that can be part of this renovation program too. But more or less at a high level, what the what we offer from a renovation program is the purchase plus renovation application, or it's a refinance plus refinance plus renovation program. And more or less is the same idea. So if you're looking to buy something, we're going to help you with a renovation. So let's say, for example, you go buy something and the purchase price is uh, 500,000, but then you want to put 200,000 in renovations. So therefore your purchase or your property value should be 700,000 or higher. In reality, it's going to be higher than whatever the renovation cost is, depending on, you know, the, the type of renovations. But we're going to help you finance this. So we, how it works is if we're doing a purchase plus renovation, we get everything approved up front. So this is where we need to know plans. We need to know costs. We need to know more or less everything. And that's part of my job is to work with you to get all this. We get this all packaged off in a nice, you know, application, send to the head office saying, Hey, this is a plan. This is what's going to, what we're projecting. And then if once it's approved, how it works is we disperse the original mortgage amount off the purchase price. So Again, you buy a 500,000, you're going to take 80% of that, that gets dispersed. Then this thing is a whole series of intervals of inspections. So we got the approval. Let's make sure it's worth that 500,000 also get go. So is it worth it? Cool. Yes. Check. And what's cool with this is you're working with the same inspectors for the whole project. So you can kind of talk to them on the side, say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Like you see added value here, maybe, you know, what should I do here? So you're working with the same inspector to, you know, really add value. So uh, once you kind of do 50,000, we, we usually disperse these at 50,000 intervals. So as you start working on the project and, every, you know, we're going forward, you start with the original loan of that 500,000 500, purchase. And during the whole renovation program, you're only paying interest. So it's going to be the interest-only payments that are six-month closed mortgage rate. It's probably going to be a little bit more than what you're paying at the end of the mortgage, like let's say you want a three-year fix, mm-hmm. probably a, you know a bit more than what the interest is on that, but not much because it is a major bank rate. So you start paying interest only, and as we do more disbursements, let's call it fifty thousand at a time, it usually works out to be three or four disbursements based on your project. But we'll disperse, you know, let's say fifty thousand at a time. Now your interest payments going up by an extra, you know, whatever's is interested on the fifty thousand at that time. Once the whole project's done and the and the appraiser recognizes the value is completed. We also only need the property to be about 95%. We know there's always going to be like finishing touches or you know, whatever you need to do outside of that. Once we hit more or less 95%, that's when your original mortgage like that we've agreed on with the rates and everything really kicks in. So you take that three-year fix or whatever that is, your mortgage mortgage for uh, payments start after that renovation program. So it's a really cool program we have. In my opinion, it's really underutilized.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll
0: personally be going through it myself this year. And it's just like, again, working with someone like myself to come up with a plan to say, this is what we're going to add value in. There's so many ways to add value to the house right now. Like, you know, depending on some markets, some definitely need an update. But even, so even if you're not doing something major, like adding a second unit or, or something like at that level, but you're just doing something that's adding value, there's a lot of potential here too. And really you're, you have to go through this program whenever there's not enough equity in the house, right? So you're adding, you're increasing the property value and taking that, that equity as the renovations go through.
1: I mean, it's almost like you guys are our private lender in a sense, right? You're taking, because I believe, because I I know we talked about this, but let's talk about on the show, but you'll take a shit house. I shouldn't say a shit house. It's an amazing house, but a A house. Work to be
0: done house. Yeah, exactly. uh, Uh, Fire
1: damaged house, like the stuff that I like, the stuff I love that has lots of upside.
0: Yeah, no, the opportunities. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But you guys will touch them. Like you will actually take those properties, even though they're not livable, which I will tell you. Most big banks will not come close to wanting to touch any of that stuff.
0: So a lot of times too, like, let's say for example, you, we're going to refinance your property and maybe it's not up to our likings. They'll say, we'll only go through this refinance finance if we're going to do the renovations. We know there's unlivable area there. Mm-hmm. So we need to go to this, uh, go through this uh, program to get you to that 95%. So it's a good way. And I mean, yeah, as long as the house is you know, compliant, you know, has checks, checks, all the boxes, boxes there, then that's not a problem. So, yeah, it's a good way to increase your property value, have the bank lend this. Because other than that, I mean, even if you're borrowing on like a HELOC or your mom and dad's HELOC, it's going to be a lower rate than what you're paying on the HELOC. Yeah. Um, so it's a good way to have the bank help finance some of your projects. And again, it's underutilized. Like it's so I've been trying to get out there to, you know, in today's world, a lot of people are trying to find equity in their home one way or the other. So by increasing your property value, this is a great way to do it.
1: Yeah, I think for me, that's my favorite program that you actually have out of, you know, the many things that we've discussed because you are purchasing like basically the stuff that I would buy and the stuff that you most banks will not touch. You're, you're doing that. Plus it's interest only payments, you know, 80% loan to value. Plus you're going to be financing the renovations and then you can still do a full refi at the end of the property value has gone more to to higher. Your rates are going to be cheaper than doing it as a prom note or a HELOC I mean, I think it's a great opportunity. Like, so what do you look for? Like, if somebody comes to you, are you looking for, you know, their experience along the way? If they've done this before, can somebody like, you know, do it for them? Yeah, no, it's a good question.
0: So the problem, like the stressful part with the purchase plus renovations is I need to know everything we're doing before you even get the keys. So when you're putting your offers in, you need to know your plans. You need to know your pricing. So that's not an easy thing to do for most people, but certain real estate investors, when, once you've had the experience, when you walk through a house, you know exactly what you're doing and we have like a worksheet that you would fill out with me to say, okay, we're going to replace the flooring. This is our expected cost. You know, whatever the plans is, we have a spreadsheet that we'd fill this all out and, and package off the total cost. So that's the hard part is knowing exactly what you need to do and also keeping the timelines, right? So we have certain timelines based on thresholds. So. I'd say most of these projects are going to be over 40,000 uh, in renovations and we have to get this done within 12 months. So knowing you have to kind of start planning ahead to get, you know, all your contractors in order. So obviously with COVID, we had some delays with some of these things with materials mm-hmm. being hard to get or, you know, your crews down with COVID. Mm-hmm. So being able to plan ahead is a difficult part. So let's say, you know, you see potential in this house, but you're like, ah, I don't, Know if I can get this all done. What we can do as well as the refinance plus renovations. So even if you already own the house, we can do the exact same project to say, Hey, we're just going to refinance it and then do the renovation after you have the keys. The refinance and renovations, so let's say for example, maybe it's a younger couple. that just need some help, you know, need some work and they don't know everything yet. They haven't done this before. They just need some, you know, they need the money, but they don't know exactly the plan. So they could always buy the house. So with me, we just treat it as a normal purchase. But what I would want to do with that purchase application is qualify them based on what their future would look like, right? So they're buying at seven or sorry, five, but then there's going to be worth seven. I want to make sure they're qualifying for the mortgage at seven. Yeah. Otherwise we just shot ourselves in our foot and then what are we doing? Right? So you're going to, you can buy the house, close the house, get the keys. Once you're in the house, know, okay, I, I know exactly what I need. Here's my plans. We just go through a refinance application afterwards. And that way, you know, there's a little more time to think things through, get your, you know, ducks in a row. But again, for the savvy real estate investors, they might be looking at you know 10 different properties and they know what they're doing and they're bringing their contractors with them. Those are the people I think are, are ready to go for their Purchase Plus renovations. Or maybe you even have a long closing date. So if you buy something and you have a 90 day window, you can probably line, get everything aligned within that 90 days because we just need to get everything approved pretty much in months before this closes to get your lawyer involved at the right time. So if we have a few weeks before closing and everything's good to go there, it's a good way. But if you're doing a 30, you know, 30 day closing and you have not too many, not much idea what you're going to do, it's going to be a lot of scrambling and, a, and a, you know head, headaches and stress. So you know that's where it's worth reaching out before too to have conversations.
1: Mm, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a good opportunity, especially as you know, some people may be start like starting and they might have a job, but they might not have a whole lot of cash. I think this is a great opportunity to so. So you said draws of 50, but do they have to do the work first and then show you yes. $1,000 of, of work done essentially?
0: So the, they ask for like a little bit of cash on hand, like we don't expect everyone to have an extra 50,000 available during when they buy something they're already putting their down payment down. So it's based on a series of disbursements. Um, but it's more or less like, let's say you are using line of credit to pay for stuff and we disperse it after. Uh, it kind of depends on where the project is and how big the project is. Um, so the expectations is you don't have to have that 50000 off the get-go, but you, we do need to have a little bit available. I want to say it's like 15% of uh, the, the like initial disbursements or something like that. But So having a little bit available just to kind of help you, you know, maybe there's a delay. Because what happens is we're going to do the inspection say, yep, you've increased the property by this amount. Here's that amount. And this all gets dispersed to your lawyer. So we'll never give money to the client directly. It always goes to the lawyer. So in theory, they're going to reach out to me and say, hey, Matt, we're ready for the next inspection. We order that. That gets done. The inspector reach out to the client. That could be, you know, hopefully there's no t- timing delay there. Everything looks good. It goes to the lawyer. The lawyer's going to request the next fund. So that could take at least two weeks, best case, right? So you want to have a little bit of funds in case, you know, you have to pay the windows guy this day or the flooring guy this day. So you need to have a little bit available. Mm-hmm. But knowing the bank's going to pay for it at the end is the stress relief, right? So if it's sitting yeah. on an unsecured line of credit for two weeks, who cares? You know, it's going to be paid off at a lower rate. So it's kind of just based on the size of the project, kind of seeing what we need to do there. And and we plan ahead, of course.
1: So they, I mean, they still have to obviously account for the cash needed to carry the financing. (laughs) Yeah, correct. But not not,
0: not all of that, of course. Obviously, we don't expect that. Yeah.
1: Okay. So so that's good. And then what about like permits and stuff? Like, is that something that could be included in the in the money, or is that just for renovations? And
0: I would, pl- I would say plan ahead for it. So all your closing costs are going to be something that you're going to do. So if you're applying for permits, you're spending money there. That's something that you would include in the, in all the, in all the costs. Your renovation costs don't just have to be, you know, materials. It's going to be labor. It's going to be getting permits and stuff like mm-hmm. that too. And even as you may know, permits might be hit or miss based on where you're getting the permit from what city, mm-hmm. right? So you also have mm-hmm. to plan for that. So sometimes you're like, yeah, I could get all this renovation done in two months, but that's assuming everything's clicking on the same page, right? So, yeah. I personally, with these ones, whenever Sean says it's going to close at this moment, I'll probably add a couple of months just so we don't have any headaches there. It's better to close early than to have to extend everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, you kind of just plan ahead with permits for sure, especially if we're changing.
1: And the and there are some some cities that are worse than others or better than others, yeah. you know. So you don't. That's the unknown in this game too. Is like when you're gonna get your actual permits. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. you, have, you know, a few weeks. Sometimes it's a few months. So it truly really depends. Okay. So that's that program. I think that's a great, you know, definitely a great option. Are there any other programs? That yeah, you want exactly.
0: To so two things I want to talk about is first is something that's really picked up over the last, let's call it probably six to 12 months is garden suites. So mm-hmm. we're able to finance garden suites. So that's a big one. Okay. That's, How we that's look-
1: huge. So let's talk about that because in the past it was HELOCs or it was prom notes or it was cash.
0: Exactly. So a lot of people so the government came out in the last little while saying, you know, we are all for this. You know, we, we know there's a shortage in housing. So garden suites are kind of something that's very new to banking. Our banks recognize there's a need for it and we'll help finance it. So if it's already been built, everything's good. We just look to make sure that it's completed. So really what we're looking for is a permit to say, yes, the city recognized this is what we're doing. We're going to finance this. So before, a couple of before get
1: the property is actually there finished. When you have your permits in hand that's when you can start financing it
0: so there's two ways to look at it so i'm glad you said that so you could have the permit which means like green light let's start working on it but we're gonna have to do an appraisal so the property value is not going to be there until it's done right so the permit you know i mean i've only really had to prove that there's a permit to get this done to have it recognized in the value the appraisers will mention say hey we know such a second unit we're like yep this is what we're treating as So for example, if it's a house and then a a garden street in the backyard, we treat it as a duplex, it's a two unit. So that's just how we kind of classify it. So the property value really increases once it's complete. So we have to prove, and the permit just more or less is demonstrating that the city's recognizing that this is being done. But to to me, the opinion is to wait until it's actually complete if you can, because that's when you're going to see the property value up and if we're refinancing to take out more money to pay out debts that you've already used to spend this, you want max financing theory at least. So once everything's more or less done, and again, we only look for that 95 95 percent completion. So once it's you know close enough to being done, we go through the appraisal, take out max financing and have it all paper and in the the garden suite would be recognized in the price. What's cool, and this isn't really done by, this This is done by all the major banks, but we can use a market rent appraisal for this and other kinds of rentals. So for those who don't know what a market rent appraiser is, appraisal is, it's whenever you have a property that's going to be a rental, but you don't have a lease, let's say because you're building this garden suite and there's no one living in it yet, or let's say. You lost your tenants and, it, you know, you know, it's going to be a rental, but it's, it's just you're, you're unoccupied right now. Or maybe it's you're shopping to buy a new primary and you're going to be converting your current primary to rental. So we can use a market rent appraisal and and that's where the appraiser is going to go. Look at the neighborhood, look at the number of bedrooms, the square footage, the finishings. It's, it's a pretty simple appraisal. And they're just going to say for this type of property in this neighborhood, you can rent it out for X amount. Now I can use that amount on my application and we don't have to come up with a lease or show something last minute to kind of have the application work in our favor, we get this appraisal done and it's just included um, so in your application. So it's a great way. So with these mark garden suite or, um, files I'm working on right now, I probably have at least five or six on the go right now where they're near completion, but there's no owner. So we're saying, okay, you recognize this unit and the appraisal value and also give me the market rent of what you think. You know, even the main residence and the garden suites will rent for Now I can use that on my application. Mm-hmm. If for whatever reason, maybe we're delayed, you know, we don't want to pay out the old mortgage, maybe we have a, a term end date we're waiting for. Or if we're just waiting and you do get a lease, we don't have to use a market rent appraisal, it's just there as a backup in case there is no lease at that time. So having it doesn't hurt me and having it in my backlog, and say, okay, this is what the number you're using, but if there's a lease, we can use that as well.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. What about recreational properties? Do you guys have any programs for that?
0: So, give me an example
1: like a cottage.
0: <laughs> cottage. Okay. So, cottage. So, cottages, we're going to treat as an owner occupied secondary property. So, cottages, okay. you're going to treat as, you know, that's it's a secondary home. Major banks are going to put it over 25 years versus 30 years uh, or okay. primary rental. They're harder to qualify for. National bank and major banks won't consider short-term rentals. So that's anything on Airbnb that's, you know, anything in that latitude, that's just a thing they don't want to get into uh, mm-hmm. business with. But there are a lot of cottages that are rentals, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, you know, we've seen over the last year, everyone was working from home. Yeah. I want to take a yearly lease from a cottage. So if that's the case, you're buying a cottage and it's going to purely be a rental unit, because keep in mind, you are going to sign a document saying this is a rental unit. So we can order the market rent appraisal if the, if, the, if the situation makes sense. So it's all kind of just knowing the situation, what's intended use, and again, making sure it makes the, the bank happy as well as the customer and finding that common ground.
1: I think the important part of this is just to let you know what the intentions are, be honest, and give you all the information, and then you can figure out what makes sense from a exactly. national bank standpoint of you know, what they want, what they don't want, and you can let us know that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, I've done purchase files where they bought a house that was an Airbnb and we have financed it because it's not, they're the old owners who's using as an Airbnb, right? So it all comes down to what the situation is. And exactly, the more I know, the more I can help, I think.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. So, okay. So I like the garden suite idea. I mean, I think additional dwelling units are going to be, you know, something of, of the future. Definitely. We're seeing a lot of, you know, garage conversions, uh, a lot of tiny homes. Are you guys doing anything with tiny homes? Does that still count as a d- potential ADU?
0: So yeah, it depends. So I mean, condos we have a certain square footage has to hit. So for example, right. four hundred square feet in the GTA.
1: Yeah.
0: Tiny homes. I mean, it, are you kind of speaking of something like a small condo, or would you be considering you know, like a second unit, like a
1: like an additional, like a natural tiny home in the back, maybe? On uh, my understand, because it's going to.
0: Yeah, it's going to, my understanding is it's going to eat, it's going to be the total square footage of the properties combined, mm-hmm. right? So mm. again, because it's a two unit, we're treating it as, you know, a, a duplex. So it's going to be the sum of both square footage. But I could see that starting to be something to be monitored closely to just say, hey, this garage is very small. This isn't a second unit. And that's where we do rely on the appraiser to say, you know, make sure that it is a livable area because it does have to meet all the conditions of being a, a second, a, like a, a declared second unit or whatever the unit is. So yeah, that's kind of how we'd look at that. Okay. And, and what, one thing I'll note too is, and this is the only one we haven't done is with the garden suites, we have to be cautious of, we're considering that as a sec as an, an additional unit, right? So we actually had one file that we couldn't go forward because it was a triplex, but there's a legal basement unit. So the, the house itself is a fourplex and then they added a garden suite. So that's making it five units. So we're going to count the number of units legal or illegal. As the total, so everything I do is residential, which is four units or less. Mm-hmm. Anything five units or more to us is is commercial. So we just got to make sure that the property has four units maximum, whether there be you know a basement unit that they're not declaring or whatever. So we got to just make sure we fall into that window, and it, it's a pretty rare situation that someone's going to have a fourplex, plus a garden suite. But like you said, as you never know more. Well, more so so
1: here's less. my question, and I had a discussion with a good friend of mine about this because he he covers Toronto as a realtor but I think Toronto just came out with you could do five units now you could do four a fourplex and then you could do an additional dwelling unit and I'm like well what happens from a financing standpoint They were like that's a good question
0: <laughs> yeah no it's true and it's like I I think like until something changes it's there's no change so it's if it's a five unit it's still commercial But as we are seeing the cities get more creative on finding ways to get out of extra units, I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe something that changes. Hmm. You just do open up a lot of, you know, whenever you add something, you open up area for opportunity for stuff that shouldn't be in there, right? So like at the time, we're going to consider four units as uh, residential anything more as commercial, but who knows what changes as the city's kind of allowing more and more of these things to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually just, my or it might've been an oversight. Like they just, they're like, oh, we'll do five units. But like the, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, you're going from residential, like the That's a the and that's show, a huge thing, like, right?
0: It's huge. Like you know, the rates are so different when the personal mortgage versus commercial mortgage, the qualifications completely different. Right? So
1: mm-hmm. there's
0: obviously more appetite on the personal side. So yeah, it's a whole different beast once you enter that commercial zone.
1: Yeah. So I think for like, for ADU perspectives, like obviously the, you know, the backyard units. The mortgage plus improvement, I think that's a great program. Like if you guys are doing any Burrs, you know, residential one to four units, I think you've got an, a great opportunity to, you know, even like, for example, if somebody is sitting there with a, I'm just thinking out loud here, a variable rate with another bank, you know, it might not be a bad idea to run it by you just to see if, hey, could you do better? Potentially do a little refi along the way and just port it over and see if the rates can be better. Because I'll tell you some of the big banks that I'm used to going to aren't that great right now and again it's not all about rates guys like especially as you scale it's really more about the terms and you know the scalability and everything but you know there is because they're so high you know there is something to be said about some of these big banks that now their rates are probably just as bad as some B lenders.
0: No it's true like part of my what I'm busy at this time is really doing is uh, external refinances which means you know we're bringing over a mortgage from another bank so they already own the property but As we go through these high rate changes this year, we're a lot of people are coming up for renewal, right? So, really, in Canada, your max term is probably five years. Like most Mm -hmm. people aren't really taking more than a five year term. So, you're more or less, you know, anywhere from a three, four, five year term. And all those people are coming up for renewal. They're getting renewal offers from their banks, and it can be anywhere, any major bank, and they're just not competitive. So, there's a lot of opportunity there right now for the major banks for example we have promotions on right now that will help pay for legal fees and appraisal fees if it's your primary so we're you know and that won't impact your rate so there's a lot of things we're trying to do to bring over more business and i would say that's a good bulk of my volume right now is just bring over mortgages but yeah while we're going through that process why not looking at refinancing maybe you want to you know consolidate some debt because we know debt levels are an all-time high right now so if you're going to consolidate some unsecured debt if you do that that's why it doesn't hurt to have multiple options. Like we were saying earlier, if you're shopping around, it's good to have a few options. Like I personally would have a couple options before I pull a trigger on anything mm-hmm. just to kind of see what's the best rate. And it's, you know, t- it might take a few tries. And to yeah. be honest, some of my advice I'd have right now for rates is start early. So right now rates are up, down, sideways all throughout the year. We've had very, you know, we had some downs a couple of months ago, we were pretty low and now we kind of had some increases. So if you're starting within, let's say three months, I can lock you into the lowest rate at that time. And then, you know, you're safe. That's your safety net. We know we're closing in three months. Your term ends in three months, but you have something locked in. Once we see decreases in the rates and, you know, me, between my team, we're always kind of saying, what's the best three year right now? What's the best two year right now? We're always kind of staying up to date based on what other people get approved. Because in my role, I have my latitude, right? So I'm supposed to give a certain rate, and then there's certain times I can go beyond my latitude. And that's not up to me. That's up to the bank to approved. Sometimes like for example, right now, they're saying nothing beyond my latitude is going to get approved, but maybe in a month from now, they'll say, okay, we can take rate requests beyond your latitude. So by starting early, you're locking something in. And again, if we have, let's say three months to chip away at it, I'm very confident you're going to end up with a better rate than what you locked in. If you're coming to me two, three weeks before your, your mortgage expires and you need to take it right away, chances are whatever we're starting is what you're ending up with just because... There's only so much time to work on things. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to start early, chip away at that rate, it's a really good way to get the best rate at that time because you have something locked in.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. So, you know, if, and I just want to go back to something like, let's just say they're with another bank and they're porting it over to you and they're cash flowing negative. Like, again, this is all about like being strategic, right? And seeing if this is something that you want to do, but instead of potentially losing Money or having to sell the house, like maybe you've got 20 years left or 15 years left to amortizing exactly. on a big bank. It might be worth even if you're not even refinancing it, just to port it over and re amortize over 30, that's that's years, great
0: right? advice. So, and i how do you say that? So, this is the advice I like to give all the time. Mortgages is a loan that's at that day is just a loan. There's not much, you know, it's an agreement. I'm going to pay this amount, whatever. Right. So, we know right now rates are high and they're not going to be sustainable this high. So if you're at 20 years at another bank and you, we bring you over to and we push you over 30 years, really what you're doing is just decreasing your mortgage payment because it's now going to be over longer term or longer amortization. Your interest payment does increase as the higher the amortization. But if you're firm on saying, hey, I, I'll put it over 30 years, but I want it paid off in 20 years. There's ways in your agreement to pay it off over 20 years. Maybe we just got to wait until, you know, times get a little better. So what I like to do with customers are, kind of firm on saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to pay it over 30 years. I want to pay it over 20 years. What you do is we set your mortgage up over 30 years and your payments, I don't know, two grand. And then we know if it was over 20 years, your payment's going to be 2,500, right? So it's just going to be more because you're paying off, you're paying off faster. That's just an easy one. So we know if you pay 2,500 a month, you're paying off in 20 years. So what we can do is we can add an optional payment once we have a little bit more, you know, maybe a little more cash flow or, or, you know, when the timing's right. So we add an optional payment in that example of $500, that 30 year amortization is, you know, it's gonna be shrunken. The benefit of doing this is if anything ever happens, you lose your job, maybe something happens to a co-signer, you can cancel this optional payment of $500. Where if you put it over 20 years and now you're like, hey, Matt, I need to extend over 30 years. Something happened. I lost my job. You have to requalify. And that's might not be an easy thing to do. No. Um, especially if there's a job loss. You can always extend your amortization when you're up for renewal. So once you hit your term end date, you can extend it. But kind of building flexibility into your mortgage is, is you know, the way to go is put it over the max and add optional payments of whatever the calculation is that it paid off over that amount of time.
1: So yeah. I mean, that's
0: just a good way to do it.
1: Well, so to me, I look at two things, right? If you're in growth mode and you're in acquisition mode is one thing. And if you're in like your mortgage and debt reduction stages, it's a whole other thing. But like I would say most people listening to this are in growth and and acquisition. There's no reason to, you know, take the highest amortization you can because it'll help with your ratios. Like regardless if you want to pay it off faster or not, like you can, like, you know, like you just said, but like you're looking at ratios, right? So if you're forcing yourself to a 15 or 20 year amortization versus a 30 year, you're not gonna scale as fast by doing these shorter amortizations because it'll actually negatively impact your ratios exactly. and what you can qualify for based on the income that you're bringing
0: in. Exactly. It was harder to qualify, right? So we qualify you based on the amortization i file. So if we put over 30 years, you're gonna qualify over 20 years, but we're not qualifying that optional payment we're adding. If you do want to mm-hmm. pay it off faster, if you wanna do that, go nuts. Um, so that's, and again, you can change that, edit that, cancel at any time with no fees. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're trying to, especially if you're a real estate investor and you're looking more on the monthly cash flow things, add it over 30 years and then find ways in the agreement to pay it off faster if that's your goal. And ultimately what your goal should be is to reduce your primary mortgage as much as possible, right? So yeah. unless you have no primary mortgage, chances are you're going to be refinancing this rental multiple times, pulling up money, paying down your primary. hmm that's just the way to go, and that they'll help you on future applications as you have less debt on your primary.
1: Well, and the primary you can't really tax write off the same as a rental, exactly. Yeah. So you might as well, in my opinion, you keep the debt on the rentals, and then you just start bringing down your mortgage on your primary that you can't really write off on anything. I think that's a good strategy. And then, like you know, there's probably people listening to this saying, "I'm you know I used to have cash flow, now I don't have cash flow." Like. It could be a good idea to see if reamortizing amortizing and moving to a different bank will help with that cash flow. And like, you know, ultimately, I think most of these properties, we're going to pay them off faster than the 30 years because you might sell a couple, take that debt, pay down a couple of yeah. houses yeah. so that they become essentially just full cash flow opportunities. So there are strategies that can be done. But, you know, I think that strategy is just something for people to consider in times where there's uncertainty. And if you're like, crap, I'm not cash flowing anymore. My tenants are not leaving. I can't raise the rents more than 2.5% now. You can thank the liberal government for that. It's, you know, it's tough for many people. And this could be a strategy to, you know, make some of that cash flow back or, you know, reduce the negative impact of these crazy rates.
0: No, exactly. Right. And it's it's, it's also like just because you're taking over 30 years doesn't mean you have to keep that way. Like so maybe we're in this rate environment for another year and a half. You can always revisit that when the time comes if you want to, you know, short it then and get back on track with what you want. But to me, the, the goal is to take advantage of their your, your, your ways you can pay out faster in your, in your agreement. So that know that's good advice for sure. And the way we look at it from your application is whether you're, if you're you know, refinance or buying a rental, your primary mortgage is always going to be there. Nothing ever offsets that. So as you have a high primary mortgage or HELOC on your pro- primary residence, that's just a debt that we consider in your monthly expenses. Mm-hmm. When you take more rental mortgage to pay down your primary that rental mortgage, we don't consider on your application. We're just going to do a rental income offset. So you're not going to have any, that mortgage, you know, your rental income is going to be maybe a little less when we offset it, but not by the amount of showing how much primary debt you have. So that's where it's good to also chat with someone in my position uh, to kind of say, you know, what do I qualify for based on different si- situations on when I pay off. And again, if you, even if you're buying something next month or in a year, it's always good to kind of get in the conversation early to see. You know, a lot of people, people are saying, oh, I did not think like that or, I did not know big look at that way. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I like to educate as I go, because again, mm-hmm. I'm here for the long run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where they kind of, they get that feeling. They're like, oh my God, I just learned something. I'm going to go back and have a conversation again.
1: For sure. There you have it, folks. All right, Matt, the next part is the lightning round. Nice. Um,
0: this should be fun
1: I, I feel like it, it's been like an hour and an hour, and I'm like, I told you half an hour, but I guess
0: yeah, it's I, all good, all good. We can yeah, get chatted. Always, I don't this mind. Stuff. Even
1: though yeah, no, it's paperwork, good. I actually like talking <laughs> about financing I rolled both. You would,
0: uh, you have to do both. My roles so we no, but no, absolutely. I'm no. Again, I feel free to cut out whatever you have to.
1: <laughs> no, it's good. Awesome. Okay, so the next part is our lightning round. So you're gonna get five questions. Every guest gets the same one the same questions you're gonna answer in like 10 seconds or less okay
2: welcome to your midterm tip of the week are you a busy hr recruiter and are constantly looking for ways to provide solutions for your newly onboarded staff to have a pleasant and organized first few months in their job if you require a furnished stay for your new recruits so that they can adjust to their new role comfortably please reach out to Midterm Rental Properties. We provide full-service solutions to ensure that you have the right support you need for your new recruits. For more information, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. All right, question number one was your favorite real
1: estate investing book?
0: Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was definitely my first one that got me into it and just kind of got me thinking differently.
1: All right. Number two, not necessarily real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast?
0: I like my comedy podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts at, at night. I'm a big, I don't know if you guys know the show Workaholics, but they have their own podcasts. This is important. That's a big one. I like the ones, you know, smartless. I like kind of the comedy ones to go to bed too. but yeah. And of course, I've been starting to listen to years a bit more lately, but no, I, I like a good comedy podcast, about shut down the day.
1: All right. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun?
0: What I do for fun. So, I mean, I have a two and a half year old and 11 month old. So just probably surviving is what I call (laughs) fun now. But we're in the backyard stage of, you know, it's always nice having a lot of my friends are in the same, you know, timeline. So Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, backyard drinks and hanging out with the kids. I'm a big sports guy. So baseball, hockey, football, I'm always all over that. So any events going on there, I've definitely gone into golf a lot lately with COVID and, you know, with business and everything. So I, I golf quite a bit.
1: Okay. Perfect. We have a golf tournament. You should come. There come. we
0: go. i coming <laughs> then. Sign me up.
1: All right. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your money, your financing, your finances, your properties, how would you start again?
0: How would I start again? I mean, definitely learn from my mistakes to see I went wrong, but I definitely wouldn't stop. I mean, depending what the situation, why everything started, but no, it's you know kind of learning from my lessons. That's I'm a, I'm a guy who usually gets it right the second time. Uh, usually there's some things I've learned from, you know, whether it be renovations, like, okay, we're going to do that slightly different, but learning from our mistakes and trying, even if I'm unsure how to do things, I'm going to go forward to doing it. Everything's not going to be perfectly laid out for you. So you got to learn as you go.
1: All right. And final question. If somebody has $50,000, they want to get started. How would you recommend they spend that
0: $50,000? I, I mean, right now, I would definitely think there's some real estate opportunities. Even with high rates, I think you can get a good deal on a house. Things have slowly creeped back up, but I mean, earlier this year, things, you know, normal houses is maybe 15% down. So how I would do is see what your options are with that down payment as 50000 You know, you're mostly leading into the insured category, but if we're able to come up with a solution to borrow money for a down payment, come up with that, see what you qualify for the next rental purchase. But I would definitely be, you know, I'm a big real estate investor for sure.
1: Very okay, awesome. That was our lightning round, Matt. Where can my listeners reach out, find out more, connect with you?
0: Yeah, so I'm all on a little all over. So I mean emails I'm definitely fast. So Matthew.pickering at nbc.ca. My cell is nine oh five eight oh two seven seven eight eight. Text me, call me, you know, mention where you got my name from. I'm someone new to Instagram. i again I've been in the role for a while, but Instagram I you know have stuff on the go just to kind of network with realtors or, you know, real estate investors and Kind of stay connected where I can, so I'm at Matt Pick Matt Pickering at dot Mortgages on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't post too much, to be honest. Again, it's just more there for the communicating and, and staying in loop with some partners. But you mean know, my my thing with work is to be prompt, right? So if you're sending me an email or we're working on something and I'm not getting back to you right away, I'm not doing my job. I don't want you to stress either the purchase and the refinance. So keeping you up to date is a big part of my business and how I handle my customers. So reach out again, even if you're shy, if there's any small questions, don't hesitate, reach out. Having a conversation now is easier for our next conversation, right? So let's start early and my way to help and leverage any programs the bank offers here.
1: Amazing. Matt, thank you for being on the shows. I'm excited that, you know, to have you as part of the team, as the overall financing team for for myself or my JVs (laughs) and all that good stuff. And and hopefully, you know, I'm sure you're going to be able to help uh, the listeners as well of this podcast and... You know, I think it's all very important for us to understand, you know, enough of the basics and be resourceful and have the right resources on your team so that you can get to your goals. So thank you so much, Matt, for being on the show and sharing your knowledge.
0: Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you you putting me on the stage and letting me uh, help out some of your network. So again, I appreciate everything. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest?